and welcome to the Deeply Rooted Podcast. We are here to root deep in God's Word so that we can live lives of unshakable faith. My name is Ben Jacobson. I am one of the pastors here at Hope Lutheran Church in Fargo, North Dakota, and I am joined today by my colleague, Pastor Kevin Smith. Pastor Kevin, good to have you. Yes, and good to be here, Ben. And I just want to say in front of everybody today that you look the same as you did last year. That's reassuring. That it, is you know, reassuring. The, if, the, if, the, if, we could, if that could continue for... A few more years. 50 years. Yes. That might be okay. You could save on hair color. Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. Yes. We're here. We're looking at the Gospel of Mark. We're right. We've just crossed over into the New Testament, and it's been so fun to see how these stories that we've been discovering... Uh, and and diving into over the past months have have all sort of been a link in this big chain, uh, this big chain that is the story of God, the story of God's salvation. And now we come to this exciting part of the story where we have met Jesus, and we get to begin to see his ministry. We've seen uh, some of the miracles that that Jesus has performed, and today we're going to look at some of the stories that Jesus tells. And we're going to look at the parables of Jesus. Uh, before we do that, before we dive into Mark, the fourth chapter, Kevin, this is kind of the time of year, I think, where, you know, Christmas is over. Yeah, The new right. year is behind us, and maybe some of those resolutions have fallen to the wayside. They've already died away. <laughs> the gyms are empty, and uh, or maybe not. Maybe no. you've clung tight to the, to the things that you said you were going to do and hoped to do. But but I think, you know, sometimes when I look at January, February, and even the beginning of March, it's just in this part of the world where we live, it's cold and it's long and it's dark and it's windy. and uh, We are God's frozen chosen. <laughs> yes, frozen chosen. Uh, and, and so what do you do in those months of cold to keep your spirits up? Well, usually in the past, I've always gone uh, when I can to uh, Jamaica this year, and I'm, I'm not going to Jamaica. So, so you escape? So that's my escape for two weeks down in Jamaica in the sunshine. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I think in the last year or so, I really enjoyed going to the gym. Mm. And we have a young student at our home living with us. He goes to NDSU back. And, and we sort of partnership and we go to mm. Quartz Plus. Yeah. And that just kind of fires me up. Yeah, that's good. And I, we do try to do that three or four times a week. Yeah. When you so, get in a rhythm of that, it does something to your yeah, it gets spirit in your body and you just feel you miss it if you don't do it, right? Exactly. Get That's re-energized. Good. That's good. I you know, we try to we try to walk outside when we can. Oh, yeah. Even if it's cold. Yeah. Uh, because the cold air, something about it. It's good good for your lungs. It's good or clean something. air. It's good clean yeah. air. It kills the germs. Yeah. Something like that. So well folks out in uh out in radio land or podcast land, I hope that you have something that sustains you in this uh, time of the year, and I, I hope it brings you joy. One of the things that we can always do, no matter the weather, is we can open the Word of God and read, and so right. we're going to do right. that. We're going to read from Mark, the fourth chapter. I'm reading from the NIV. Whatever translation you have uh, will be good to follow along. And I'm and glad you're reading it in English this time, too. I know. It's, it's much... Uh, Easier for me to understand than yes. English. Mark the fourth chapter. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and he sat in it out on the lake. 
while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching, he said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even a 100 times. Then Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parable. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, it is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? Farmer sows the word. Some people are like the seed along the path where it is, the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that has sown, been sown in them. Others, like the seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they fall away quickly. Still others, like the seed sown among thorns, Hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. He said to them, Do you bring a lamp? Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not, even what he has will be taken from him. He said also, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day. Whether he sleeps or get up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in its head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts a sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Again he said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like, or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the words to them. 
as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. That day, when evening came, he said to the disciples, Let us go over to the other side, leaving the crowd behind. They took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, thanks, Ben. Yeah. So when when you hear those that sort of string of of stories, what what stood out to you? Right now, off the top of my head, what stands out more than anything else Mm -hmm. is that we are in January, Mm -hmm. and the parables are all talking about growing, planting seeds, Mm. harvesting, Mm. and then at the very end, you read the Jesus calms the storm. Our lakes are frozen. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just the dichotomy of winter versus the Holy Land. Sure. It was Very just, interesting. Just fun. Yeah. I just think this image of, you know, so from the beginning of Mark until this point, the crowd has just been getting bigger and bigger and bigger as they see these miracles, as they see the authority that Jesus has to speak and to preach and to give forgiveness. And and uh, it gets to the point now where he, he can't even stand on the land. Yeah. He has to sit in a boat because the crowd is so big. Pushed into the lake. I mean, just imagine that image is so interesting to think about, someone sitting out in a boat and speaking to people on the shore. Think about Jesus. As one observer writes, Jesus had two methods of teaching. Hmm. Two. One was simply his example how he treated Mary Magdalene or how he responded to the Pharisees and maybe to the woman at the well. And we wear the artifact of that sacrificial love as jewelry, the cross, Mm -hmm. the cross. It's an everyday symbol for us. Example was his first method of teaching. His second method of teaching, Mark highlights, is the teaching of parables, Mm -hmm. simple tales Mm -hmm. of real life, with profound implications. And, 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 and those two modes of teaching become so profound in, in the Gospels, always. Yeah, and this little section here seems to really focus in on those parables. I suppose the example of, you know, calming the storm, he teaches through that example. Uh, but then through parables in, in lots of these. And yeah, I think, a par- you know, these parables, they seem to be mysterious to people. Mm-hmm. And then he, get, he explains them to his disciples. And that's one of the keys. And, and, and parables is, is, is a Greek word. And it simply means a comparison or an analogy. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of comparing or throwing an idea beside another is at the heart of this word parable. Mm-hmm. And this is what he drives at here. Um, Bob Buford reminds us that there are some 30 parables mm-hmm. in, in, in the Gospels. Fifteen of those parables are focused 
on grace and forgiveness, the forgiveness that we have with the relationship of the one who made us. Hmm. We can't earn our salvation. And the other 15 of the parables deal with the idea of expectations and uh, results, performance, as an overflow of our relationship with God. Salvation results, therefore, in amazing action. So that's a, a neat way to reflect on parables and how they're divided up and how we look at them in our world today. I love this thought. Philip Yancey said, uh, Jesus did not give parables to teach us how to live. He gave them, I believe, said Philip Yancey, to correct our notions, who God is and who God loves. And these that Mark just highlighted in chapter 4 are a wonderful, wonderful example of that. The parables are really, as somebody once said, explainer stories. Mm -hmm. <laughs> explainer stories. It's really interesting you, you brought up how they're, they're this comparison. Mm -hmm. And we see that uh, in our text, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is like, like this. And in some ways, it seems to me like Jesus is taking something that we maybe have misunderstood or don't quite understand, which is the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. And then he uses something that all of his listeners in an agrarian society yeah, exactly. whose life depended on seeds and harvest and growth, he uses something that's so very, very familiar. Everybody he was t speaking to would have known, if you put seed on bad soil, nothing's going to happen. No. And then he pairs those two together to maybe help them understand. But that's how farming was practiced. We, they, they didn't go down a field and plow it up and all mm. of that. They just cast the seed out. Mm. And, and wherever it landed, it grew. If it didn't land in a good place, mm. it didn't grow. And that was the farming practice mm. of those days. Mm. They didn't have uh, all the implements that we yeah, have today. Sure, sure. So uh, it made sense for people. Yeah, so he's using something they know and understand yeah, exactly. to teach them about something yeah. that they don't understand. And I, I love this thought, too. Jesus was always short on sermons. And... Uh, but he was long on conversations. Hmm. And here's another little thought. Think about this. Jesus never preached a funeral sermon. No. Never did. No, he never didn't. did. And Jesus, as you look at these parables, he's short on answers, but always long on questions, which is the rabbinic model. Hmm. To a you ask a question, and then you ask another question to answer it. And, and he typified that so well. He's long, of course, as we see here on, on stories and parables, but very short on telling you what to think. He wants you to draw the conclusion out. Mm. Some will see what is obvious and others will walk away. Mm. Ignore it. He's long on challenging you to think for yourself mm. as we look at these parables. And that's why I think, too, it's important to, uh, in verse, what, 39, um, Sometimes these parables can become very um, hard to figure out. But he reminds us that he told the disciples in private what they meant and explained to them what they meant. So we may have a glimpse, but one day when we're in private, yeah, as his disciples, we might get the full story. We could have it in our own <laughs> private prayer time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That Holy Spirit insight can come. It's just a, a, a remarkable moment, I think, that, um, that these parables can speak so deeply to our hearts, such simple observations of nature and of people or of situations, and yet they have such profound meaning for us. 
I love how N.T. Wright, that New Testament scholar, he puts it, the parables are expressions of Jesus' shocking announcement that God's kingdom was arriving on earth as in heaven. And then N.T. Wright goes on by saying, instead of asking or reading a parable and asking, how is this parable about us and my relationship to God? We should reverse it and ask, how is this about Jesus and his inauguration of God's kingdom? When we start there, then we begin to see the new way of living that Jesus began with his announcement that the kingdom of God is arriving through him. I think back, uh, there's an old evangelist story told. In this small town, they'd have a revival every year. And so people would come together for this revival, and at this revival, one man in particular, he would sit there in the church, and at the end of the service for the altar call, he would come forward, and he would just come forward, and he has hands up, and he would say, fill me, Jesus, fill me, Jesus. He'd kneel there at the altar. Well, this went on year after year. And people noticed the next day after the revival, this guy was just back to his same old life. Nothing changed. Nothing changed. And so one year, this revival was going on, and, and this man was coming down the aisle shouting again, Fill me, Jesus. Fill me, Jesus. And he fell down to his knees at the altar. And this dear little old lady at the back of the church shouted out, Don't do it, Lord. He leaks. <laughs> And I think that's with all of us as, as Christ yeah. followers. We leak. We forget. Yeah. And these parables are like mirrors. They, we can look into them, be reminded again of God's amazing grace. His kingdom has begun in Jesus Christ. And his amazing grace is still so amazing and so incredible. I love that. We do leak. <laughs> we do leak. leak. And that's why we got to read scripture. That's why we got to be in the word. That's why we got to pray. Because that's the only way God can plug those leaks and remind us that his grace is still sufficient for the living of these days. As you look at these parables, a couple of observations that I find are, are intriguing. See how you think of these, Ben. Notice how God is selective. He, uh, he spends his energy. He's very selective on who he spends his energy with. Many are called, he said, but few are chosen. The opportunity is available to everyone, but some are more receptive to others than... Uh, the example of the wedding feast. Those who might be opposed are too busy with other things or they don't feel they have time and they, he lets them go. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think that's very clear in this, this parable about soil and seeds. So, and I think of that hymn, Lord, let my heart be good soil. Mm. And that this prayer that, you know, many are, uh, many are, what it called, called the few, the few are, are chosen. chosen. Let me, Lord, be one of the one of those who's who's chosen. Yeah, let me get it. Let me get it exactly. Let mm -hmm. it sink in to the good soil. Let my heart be that exactly. And notice in these parables, it's the marketplace, not the temple, that is the center of life mm. and of concern here. The examples are all from nature around us. It's not the priest going through his rituals at the temple in Jerusalem mm. or in the synagogues, but it's just ordinary life that, that, that takes place and the stories from the seeds, from the harvest, we're all involved and, and Jesus is so focused on that ordinary life. And isn't, I th that's a really important reminder because I think so many of us, we get this idea that, that our faith is something that happens on a Sunday morning. Yes. And it happens here. 
just in the by the very nature of how he tells these stories and where he tells these stories, he's reminding us that this is for every day of your life. Exactly. And I, you know, th- there was another writer I was just reading about the, the maybe the changes that are coming within our faith. Um, we have been so the last couple of centuries so pastor oriented. Mm. And, uh, you know, pastors are doing this and doing that. And now we're becoming much more lay focused, that lay people also have gifts mm-hmm. and insights to share. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of the flattening of the church. Mm. It's not just pastors and whatnot, mm. but it's about everyone who's grappling with the Word of God and trying to incorporate into their life and make sense out of it and, and, and share it. Share it. Become so good. The other aspect of, of, uh, of these parables is that notice that we are tested for fruitfulness. We are tested. We are tested. Um, the time will be coming when we are going to be held accountable for that surprise audit <laughs> that, uh, that is awaiting us. And it's not announced in, in advance. Surprise a, audit. <laughs> tax day comes. Yeah, yeah. And it is, it is just so, so interesting. And I love this too in our in our world, which we are so materialistic that but we need to remember that possessions, all the stuff that we have, are trust to be invested for a return. The timid and the fearful, you know, they'll bury their treasure in the in the ground. But but Christ is looking on those who will take that and risk something greater. Sure. The fig tree is given many chances to produce fruit, but in the end, when it's proven barren. It's cut down. Hmm. It's cut down. So anyway, those are just some general kind of observations about the parables that continue to enrich and uh, and be such a part of our uh, knowledge here. Yeah, and if we look, you know, we look, we've got the parable of the sower here. We've got a lamp on a stand, which actually is basically what you just talked about. This idea that that we're not we're not supposed to hide hide the gifts of God, but we're supposed to. To put, use them. put them out for the world to yeah. see. There's a risk in that, but yeah. there's also fruit that comes from that. Exactly. And then we have this parable of growing seed, and then, of course, a very famous parable, the one of the mustard seed, that the kingdom of God seems to start really, really small. And you've seen a mustard seed before. Yeah, it's tiny. They're tiny. If you get a jar of pickles, a lot of times there's a mustard seed floating around in there. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, they're not very big, but then they become this place where the world rests. Uh, where where people can rest in the shade that God brings into the world, and boy, don't we need that in this world? And I I think that's that that's what we need is is that that can help plug those leaks mm. that we keep that we keep losing, and and those times can become so important for us. Um, let His story change your story. Mm-hmm. In other words, mm-hmm. as that word grips your heart more and more, it it becomes so so powerful. Um, I think it's absolutely essential. One of the other things that um, Bob Buford, he's one of, my, one of my heroes, one of my champions. He just died a few years ago. But Bob Buford, um, in his book, Halftime, Reassessing Your Life When You're Halfway Through It, um, he makes this point, and Rick Warren picks it up too in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, that when this life passes and we stand before God to give an account of our lives, Bob Buford said, I'm convinced that only two questions are going to be asked of us. And Jesus gives those questions to us in advance. He tells me we get to see the test Mm -hmm. and we get to know the answer. And the first question is, what did you do 
what did you do about who Jesus said he is? Hmm. What did you do about who Jesus said he is? Did you surrender to his lordship and direction? And the second question is simply this. What did you do with what he gave you to work with? What did you do with what he gave you to work with? He equipped you with a unique calling, whatever it is, in this world of ours. So what did you do with it? And, and those two questions really form the core of, uh, of the whole Bible. Love God, love people. Mm-hmm. And to leave these gifts um, ignored or inactivated is to miss the purpose, really, of Christ. And these parables are simply a tool in which we are to be drawn in to God's incredible grace. They are, they are an invitation to enter in more deeply to this kingdom that has now come. And so we pray as it is in heaven, so it be done on earth. Last week when we were, Pastor Stephen and I were looking at the story of, of Jesus here healing a, a paralytic. Now, this is not a parable, uh, but it is, mm-hmm. it is an important story. Yeah, it's a story. And, and one, of the, one of the things that that we observed was that Jesus saw the, f- saw the faith of the, this man's friends. Yes. It was through their action that he saw their faith. And usually we sort of make this distinction, well, faith is just this belief that lives yeah. up in my head. Yeah. But I think what you're saying is that when the kingdom of God comes, it calls, our faith calls us to be active and living in that faith True. so that the world might see. And in that story, it is so powerful to know that when I can't pray, when I am so paralyzed, mm-hmm. I have others that will gather around me and lift me up. Yeah. That's what's so powerful, that yeah. we need the community around yeah. us. Yeah. When I can't pray, someone else can pray with me and for me. Um, you know, think about this as we look at the parables. Um, Jesus explained his use of the parables. He had really kind of a twofold purpose to this. Number one, as we just see, he wanted to reveal the truth to those who wanted to know it, mm-hmm. who wanted to know what that new life is for that enriched life, for that kingdom life is going to be about. And yet he wanted to conceal the truth from those who were indifferent. Mm-hmm. Think about that, this crowd scene that we have here on the lake. Mm-hmm. And, and they're all listening. How many of those people just went away and thinking, Oh, that was an interesting time. Yeah, yeah. And they just went home to yeah. life as usual. Another yeah. said, something impacted me. I want to know more. Yeah. I can't be the same again. And that's what's so inviting about these, these parables. They are very dramatic. They may start off small and insignificant and very ordinary. But they become very extraordinary in a short amount of time as you look and see what is happening in the midst of all of this that's going on. Do you have a, do you have a favorite of the parables? Um, I th- my, fa- my favorite has got to be the prodigal son. Mm. That, yeah. that, that would be the, it's, it's so powerful and so deep and simple and clear, but it's just, uh, I love that story. Not only the prodigal son, but sometimes I call it the prodigal father. Mm-hmm. The father who waits for us. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, who waits for us to come home that we may know his embrace and how much he hugs us and welcomes us home. That, I think, is one of the most beautiful, beautiful stories um, that has impacted me. That shows you the, what the kingdom, who reveals to you who, what, what God is like, who God is. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Which is what these stories do. 
They reveal God's kingdom and what God is like. And that more than anything else is what people were longing to know. God created us, as uh, Blaise Pascal has said, with a vacuum in our hearts. And unless we fill that vacuum with, with God, anything else to try to fill that hole will leave it empty. Mm. God is the one who can fill that hole, and, and he can give us that peace which the world can't give or ever take away, that peace which only comes through, uh, through relationship with Jesus Christ. And that becomes so, so powerful. Folks, I would encourage you uh, to, to go back to Mark, the fourth chapter, to think about the things that we've already begun to talk about in terms of just the authority that Jesus has, the announcement that Jesus makes as he begins his ministry, that, that the time has come and that the kingdom of God is near. It's not far away. No. It's near. Exactly. These stories are a reminder of that. So read, take some time this week and read through those parables and, and let them sink into you and let them uh, let let those little tiny stories change your big story because they graft you in yeah, uh, exactly. to the bigger story of Scripture. Exactly. It's just a very profound and powerful time. Kevin, thank you for, for coming on. and Absolutely. Sharing, sharing your thoughts, and uh, I, I so appreciate it. Folks, we're going to be back again next week. And remember, Ben, remember, God loves you, and there's not a darn thing you can do about it. <laughs> we will all remember that. Yes, yes, yes. There's nothing we can do about it. Folks, if you uh, would, I would invite you to please share this podcast with, with the folks in your life. Bring them into this telling of this grand story of God's salvation for the world and know that, that it is for you and it is for them. Um, and, and so continue to come back each week as we release a new episode, as we make our way through the story of Scripture. If you want to know more about Hope Lutheran Church, visit us on our website at fargohope.org. And in the meantime, stay deeply rooted. And also, just one last postscript, the parables are really unique to Jesus. There were other smaller examples before and after him, but he is the one that really pioneered the genre of speaking and teaching. The parables are unique to Jesus. You'll not find them anywhere else in the Bible. A few places here and there are sure. similar. Sure. But this type of story is, is unique to Jesus. Yes. That is unique. an excellent observation. So... If you want something unique, mm -hmm. now you know where to find it. Exactly. The good book. The good book. Thanks, Ben. Good to be with you. Yes. Take care, folks. <laughs>